Good morning. Good morning. All right. All right. Well, I'm glad to be here with you this morning. If you've been here the, the past couple times that, that I was here to preach, I know what you were thinking this morning. Are we finishing the book of Malachi already today? As you know, Milo usually schedules me on, on a day where we're closing out a sermon series. And the answer is no, we are not closing out this sermon series. We finally did it. I finally came in the middle of the book uh, or of a book of the Bible. Uh, likewise, another problem that, that I've noticed when I usually get scheduled here is it's usually a day that we're doing communion. Every time I've been here, it's been a day that you're doing communion. And I don't have anything against communion. I love communion. I'd prefer to do communion every week. However, as you might know, every church does communion a little bit differently. Just the way that they get things passed out and who says what and who stands where and everything. And I told Milo last time, I was like, look, the only time I've ever been at Randall for communion, I'm leading communion. And I, I don't know what I'm doing here. And, and actually the last time we were here, I said, all right, we're gonna pass out the bread now. And I took up the first thing that was closest to me and I went to the, to the ushers and, and they uncovered it. And they look at me and say, this is the juice. You said it was the bread and, and not, thinking about the fact that my microphone was still on, I just said, it doesn't matter, just pass it out anyway. <laughs> but that is not what happened. We took it back, we did it the right way. We got it all figured out. That has absolutely nothing to do with the sermon this morning, but I am glad to be here with you this morning. Today we're gonna to be looking at the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter two, verses 10 through 16, if you want to go ahead and be turning there with me. If you don't have a Bible this morning, there should be one in the uh, pew back in front of you. Malachi chapter 2. If you're more of a New Testament scholar, you can just go to the book of Matthew and turn one left, okay? It's the last book of the Old Testament. Uh, this is a, um, a pretty difficult text that we're going to be looking at here today. It's a, it's a pretty difficult one. Uh, it deals with an issue that has become a, a big issue in the church uh, as it has been an issue in the world. And we're gonna be talking about uh, the, the issue of, of marriage uh, and, and a lot of it will be focused on the issue of divorce, the issue of divorce. You know, Jill uh, was a girl who met Steve when, when they were young. They were about in their early 20s when they met. And when they first met, Steve was, you know, he was good looking and he was, he was compassionate he was kind. You know, he used to love watching chick flicks with her, not because he liked chick flicks, but because he knew how much she loved them. You know, he used to uh, go out of his way to, to plan special dates, even, wasn't, even when it wasn't a special occasion. He would just go out of his way to show her how much he loved her. He would do all these things to, to make sure that she knew how valued she was. But that was all about 20 years ago. It was about 20 years ago. Now Steve's changed a little bit. He's changed. He's, you know, he, he doesn't go out of his way as much anymore. He, he just kind of lays around on the couch a lot. He's kind of lazy. He's kind of let himself go. You know, he's not as good looking anymore. You know, he's, he's, he's going bald a little bit and, you know, trying to comb it over instead of shaving his head like she keeps telling him to. And he, he just doesn't put forth the effort anymore. And when Steve walks into the room now, Jill just doesn't really feel the love anymore. And she doesn't feel the butterflies and she doesn't feel the tingles anymore. Worst, worst of all, he's been lying to her a lot lately. 
He's been breaking her trust. And it's not with big things. It's, it's just with little things, little stupid things. You know, but it, it makes her wonder, you know, how, how much does he really love me? Why would he lie to me like this? How much can I actually love him? And so she goes to her pastor one day. She says, Pastor, you know, I've been, I've been thinking about it a lot lately. I've been praying about it a lot lately. And Steve just he doesn't make me happy anymore. You know, it's just, I don't think the love is there anymore. And I, I just don't think I love him anymore. I think God is, is leading me to leave him. Unfortunately, this is a, it's, it's a fictitious story, but unfortunately it characterizes a lot of what we hear in the church today. On the other hand, Karen is a young girl who's still in college. When she was a freshman in college, she, she came to know the Lord. Her, her life was radically changed by Jesus Christ. And, and she has given all of the past two years, all of her, her co- college life up to this point in serving him and, and pursuing him and chasing after him. She, she gives every minute of her day to, to loving other people the way Jesus would. Or, 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 or searching his word to, to learn more about him. She's, every time her, her church doors are open, she's there. But one day, in her first day of class in her junior year, she sits down in chemistry class, and a good-looking guy sits down next to her. You know, he's good-looking, he's, he's smart, he's funny. We'll call him Dan, okay, Dan <laughs> Davis, I don't know. And he's, he, he's, he's just dreamy. And most of all, he, he, he's kind of into her. And, and that's something that she's not really used to. You know, Karen's not really the, the uh, she doesn't think of herself to, to be the prettiest girl. She's, she's never known a lot of guys who have shown interest in her. And she knows that, that having her heart set on Jesus kind of turns a lot of guys away. Now this guy, he's not a believer. I guess I shouldn't have named him Dan, but um, we'll call him Milo. Okay, um, my, Milo, I should think through, the, through these things better. Um, so Milo, he's not a believer, okay? And, he, he, you know, he's not really hostile to, to believers. He's not really hostile to Christianity, but he just doesn't really care. You know, he grew up in church. He, he knows all that stuff, but he, he doesn't really believe any of it. And all of a sudden, Jill finds herself getting closer and closer to Milo. And our pastor approaches her one day and says, Karen, you know, I, I don't think it's a good idea for you to be pursuing this relationship with someone who's not a believer. And she says, you know what, pastor? Man, my, my heart is still for Jesus. Like, I'm, I'm still going to be there on Sundays. I'm still going to do all the stuff I'm supposed to do, but I think this guy is right for me. What do you do? How do you counsel someone in this situation? Unfortunately, I think in the church a lot of times we're, we're starting to see that, that our view of relationships and particularly our view of marriage is, is starting to look a little bit more like our culture's view of it rather than God's view of it. This book of Malachi, we're calling the sermon series, Do You See What God Sees? Do you see what God sees? Do you have the same worldview as the world or do you have the same worldview as God? Today, the big word that we're going to see throughout this passage is the word unfaithful. 
unfaithful. We're looking at six verses, and he's going to say the word unfaithful five different times. And and, and what God is, is trying to show to Israel here is that they have been unfaithful to him by being unfaithful in their relationships, particularly in their marriages. They have been unfaithful to God by being unfaithful in their marriages. Man, do you view marriage the way that God views marriage? I hope today that that by the end of this, we'll see that that pursuing Christ comes through faithfulness. Sometimes it comes through faithfulness in pursuing our marriages. It comes through through faithfulness in the way that we treat our marriages. And, and, And I want us to see today that in our marriages, we can pursue Christ through faithfulness in them. So read along with me. We're going to be in Malachi chapter 2, verses 10 through 16. We're going to see two different ways that we can pursue Christ through faithfulness in our marriages. The first one is to pursue Christ through faithfulness in who you pursue. Pursue Christ through faithfulness in who you pursue. Read verses 10 through 12 with me real quick. It says, have we not all one father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our fathers by breaking faith with one another? Judah has broken faith. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary, of the, the, sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying the daughter of a foreign god. As for the man who does this, whoever he may be, may the Lord cut him off from the tents of Jacob, even though he brings offerings to the Lord Almighty. Here's the historical situation. Israel has been in exile for 70 years. The Babylonians had, had conquered them and they, they killed many of them and, and the best of the Israelites, they deported them. They spread them out over the whole Babylonian empire, which if you don't know, it was quite large. Okay, so they were spread out and now The Persians have taken over. They've defeated the Babylonians, and the Persians are letting Israel come back to their land. They'll still be under Persia's government, government, but they're coming back to their own land. Now, after 70 years of exile, after 70 years of living among other nations, you got to realize that it was easy for men to start marrying the foreign women. And in fact, if you think about it, after 70 years in exile, Israel was not very economically stable, okay? They were coming back to a land that that most of them, after 70 years, it's a whole new generation. They don't know the land. Many of the, much of the structure has been burned to the ground. It's, It's been destroyed. They're trying to figure out how to work this land. They're trying to figure out how their economy is going to work. And when you're in an economically unstable situation, what is the fastest and easiest way to become economically stable? You find a sugar mama, right? You find your sugar daddy. You, 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 you do what we call becoming a gold digger, right? You know what a gold digger is? It's someone who, who marries someone for their money. And this is what we see Israel doing here. The problem is that God had specifically told them not to marry women from foreign nations. In Deuteronomy 7.3, he says, do not marry foreign wives. And the reason that he gives them that, that charge, the reason that he gives them that law is because he says that the women that you marry who serve foreign gods, they're going to take your heart away from me. And you're going to start chasing after their gods. 
This isn't, this isn't some kind of racial thing. It's not a racism thing. It's not an uh, ethnic thing or nationality thing. It is about the God they serve. It's about the God they serve. One of the reasons that marriage is such a big issue to God is because your spouse is the person whom you, who you are going to give yourself to. It's the person that, that you're going to be united with. Genesis says that the two flesh become one. They're they are someone who you are going to walk through life with. They are going to have a major impact in your life. They are going to have a major impact in the way you view the world. You're going to raise children together. You're going to walk through life's tough situations together. You're going to give all of yourself to them. So then, who you pursue in romantic relationships says a lot about where your heart is. Who you pursue in romantic relationships it says a lot about where your heart is. Now, now maybe for you today, you're, you're not looking, uh, it, it, well, first of all, some of you are already married, and that's fine. Some of you are not married, and you hope to be married one day. But even those of you who are married, you're, you're probably praying for your children and who they're going to marry, right? You're probably looking and, and, and helping advise your children and, and how they search for a spouse. Now, now, maybe for you, the issue was never money. Maybe that was never the thing that you were looking for in a spouse. Maybe it was for, for someone who was good looking. Maybe it was for someone who was smart or funny. Maybe it was for, for someone who, who had the same uh, hobbies as you do. But whatever your top priority is in finding a marriage partner, that is, the, the chances are good that that is your top priority in life. This is someone that you're going to share life with. Do you see it the way that God sees it? Who you pursue in romantic relationships says a lot about where your heart is. The person that you marry is the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Or it should be. I mean, we'll get to that in a couple of verses. But if you have given your heart to Christ... Listen to me, if, if you are here today and you have said, yes, Lord, I am going to follow after you in everything. I am going to give you all of myself. All that is me will be yours. If you are pursuing after him with all of your heart, then the top quality that you should be looking for in a spouse is if their heart is pursuing after Christ. It's going to make a big difference in your life. It is better, let me tell you, it is better to walk through life single and having a healthy relationship with the Lord than to walk through life with, with someone that you found attractive or, or someone who met that top quality who takes away from your relationship with the Lord. Now, let me be clear. I'm not talking about, uh, when I talk about pursuing Christ, through faithfulness and who you pursue. I'm not just talking about finding someone who goes to church, okay? We know there's a lot of people who go to church who their heart is not set on Christ. It's, it's unfortunate. But we know that it's true sometimes. I'm not talking about someone who goes to church. I'm talking about someone who loves the Lord. I'm actually talking about someone who loves the Lord more than they love you. That's the kind of person that you want to be looking for. And God takes this seriously. Man, God takes this so seriously. Look at, look at what he says in verse 11. He says, uh, Judah has broken faith. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has 
desecrated. He has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying the daughter of a foreign god. Man, God takes this seriously. Even in verse 10, if you look back to verse 10, it says, why do we profane the covenant of our fathers by breaking faith with one another? Let me tell you something. The the covenant of our fathers is not a covenant that they had with each other. It was a covenant that they had with the Lord. And God sees breaking faith with one another. God sees this, this issue of marriage as being a covenant issue with him. He sees your relationships with others. He sees your marriages as being an issue in your relationship with him. He takes it seriously. He takes it seriously. And look at what he says in verse 12. This is where it gets, this is where it gets difficult. I'm going to warn you. Verse 12, he says, As for the man who does this, whoever he may be, may the Lord cut him off from the tents of Jacob, even though he brings offerings to the Lord Almighty. We see that the people of Israel, they were willingly continuing in their sin. They knew what God had said. They knew that God had said, don't marry foreign wives. But man, it was going to be easier. It was going to bring instant gratification. It was going to be easier for them to, to marry these people. So they decided they were going to set aside the law of the Lord, and they would just make sacrifices to make up for it. They would presume on God's grace. They would presume on his mercy. They said, I will, I will do what he says not to do, and then I'll just, I'll just bribe God. You know, like God set up a system that we can bribe him with. That's the way that they actually saw this. I'm worried that today we might do some of the same things. You know, we're not under the old covenant anymore. We don't, we don't have to offer sacrifices anymore. Jesus Christ has paid the once and for all sacrifice. But I wonder, do we presume on his grace? Do we presume on his grace? Do we say, you know what, I'm going to live in disobedience. I know that God would not be pleased with this. But, you know, there's grace in Jesus. So I'll just, you know, I'll pray afterwards and, and I'll ask for forgiveness. It'll be fine. Do you presume on God's grace? If so, that's a, that's a heart issue. That's something that should make you look inside and say, man, is my heart really set on Christ? Or am I just trying to bribe God? When Jesus said that we are to deny ourselves and to pick up our cross daily and to follow after him, man, let me tell you something. Marriage is, is something that's included in that. When he talks about denying yourself, man, marriage, marriage is, is the best context to do that in, okay? Like, you, you have to learn how to deny yourself in marriage. But are you going to deny yourself, even when it's tough, and follow after him by pursuing someone whose heart is set on Christ? It's tough. It's easier to, to and it's quicker to marry someone who's, who's good-looking, and smart and funny, but a heart that is set on Christ seeks someone whose heart is set on Christ. And I tell my wife all the time, you got lucky, you hit the jackpot, you got it all, baby. You know, <laughs> you got it all. She's looking at me right now like, don't, don't go there. It's too late, I went there. <clears throat> We're to pursue Christ through faithfulness and who we pursue. Let's look at the next point. Next, we're to pursue Christ through faithfulness to your spouses. You are to pursue Christ through faithfulness to your spouses. Look at verse 13 through 16. It says, 
another thing you do. You flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. That's, that's, that's like verse 12 where they were presuming on God's grace. They thought they would just offer sacrifices. They would sin however they wanted to. They would disobey God however they wanted to. And they would just offer the sacrifices and then everything would be okay. But we see here that God is actually rejecting their sacrifices. He's actually rejecting them. He's saying... The, the sacrifices are a symbol, but you have not repented in your heart. Your heart is still not set on me. Do you see what God sees? Let's keep going. Verse 14. You ask why? It is because the Lord is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth. Because you have broken faith with her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Has not the Lord made them one? In flesh and spirit, they are his. And why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. And I hate a man's covering of himself with violence as well as with his garment, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. Now, I'll tell you, this is one of the, all commentators agree, this is one of the most difficult passages to translate in the whole Old Testament. It, it, it could, if you look at the footnotes, your, your Bible probably has a footnote in verse uh, 16 that, that has a different reading. And I actually, uh, I, I stole a Bible from Milo's office this morning because I usually uh, use the ESV and I know you guys use the NIV here. And this Bible does not have the footnote I'm looking for. That's amazing. The other way of rendering verse 16 is that the man who divorces his wife covers himself with violence. He covers himself with violence in his garment. It's something that Jesus takes seriously. The second problem that was going on in Israel was, was not just that they were marrying foreign wives, but they were divorcing their wives. And a lot of commentators actually think that they were divorcing their Israelite wives in order to marry the foreign wives. They, they saw the, the economic opportunity that, that foreign wives provided them. And so they, they sent away their, their wives from Israel and, and they married foreign wives. This was a problem. This was a problem. When God looks at it, he saw it as them being unfaithful to him. They weren't just being unfaithful to, to wives. They weren't just being unfaithful to the covenant. But God, he says, he was a witness of the marriage covenant. He is, he, when, when you get married, you, you get married before God. You say your vows before God, and he expects you to take them seriously. And so God says, yeah, you're, you're making the sacrifices and you're, you're doing all that, but your hearts are still far from me. And, and you're showing it in your marriages. Man, does your marriage point to your heart being set on Christ? Do you see what God sees? They were seeking to, to buy God off with their sacrifices. They, were, they viewed the sacrifices as a bribe to God so, so he would just sweep their sin under a rug. But God desires the heart. God desires so much more 
than, than just what we, we do on the outside. He desires the heart. And we, he knows that when we have a heart that is set on him, it will change the way that we act. Because our actions, we have to connect them to the heart. Our actions are an outflow of what's going on in our hearts. Does your marriage show that? I should say, your marriage does show that. But does it show a heart that is set on Christ? It's easy sometimes to, to show up at, at church on Sunday morning, you know, get your Baptist credit. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll even sing one or two of the songs. You know, I'll, I'll do the things that, that God says to do. Uh, I'll do all those things. I'll even read my Bible in the morning. Like every day, I'll even do that. But man, God, don't, don't ask for my whole life. Don't ask for, for control and how I act at work. Don't ask for control of, of my marriage. Don't ask for, for control of my heart because I'm, I'm willing to give you Sunday morning. I'm willing to give you, you know, 30 minutes of, of my day every day, but don't ask for my whole life. That's what God's getting at here. That's what he's getting at here. You're not giving me your whole life. If you're not giving me your whole life, you're not giving me any of you. Do you see what God sees? Look at verse 16 with me. In this translation, it says, I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. And I hate a man's covering himself with violence as well as with his garment, says the Lord Almighty. As I said before, the, uh, the other rendering of it is, is that divorce... Uh, God says, the man who divorces and hates his wife covers himself with violence. I think that that's actually a better translation. I won't get into all the Hebrew and everything, but I think that that is a, a better translation for, for many reasons. Do you view your marriage like the world or do you view it like God? God sees divorce as violence. I think we would all agree that violence is not good, right? Now, some people might look at commitment. They might look at marriage. They might look at divorce and say, you know, that's, that's not such a big deal. But violence, I think we would all agree, not good. Nobody, nobody thinks that violence is a good thing. God says that divorce, that divorce is like violence to him. He sees it all the same. Man, the world says, do whatever feels right to you. Do whatever you think is good. God says, I am the judge of right and wrong. Do what I say is right. The world says you gain the world by, by leaving someone who makes you unhappy and, and finding someone else who will make you happy. God says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? The world says divorce and commitment are no big deal, but God says that, that divorce is like violence, and it is a big deal. God sees divorce as a big deal. And lest anyone think that, that this is just some, some old covenant thing, and you know, Jesus, Jesus changed this, he upholds this in Matthew 18. And, and Jesus even ups the ante a little bit in Matthew 6. He says, man, anyone who even looks at someone else lustfully commits adultery. So this isn't just like some, some Old Testament, Old Covenant thing that we don't have to pay attention to anymore. This is something that God takes seriously. God is involved in your marriages, and God wants you to show through your marriage how much you love him. He wants you to be faithful to him by being faithful in your marriages. 
And he says, he says, it, he, he says it once in verse 15, and then he's, he repeats it in verse 16. He says, so guard yourself in your spirit, and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. And he says it again in, in verse 16. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. When he's talking about guarding yourself in your spirit, he's talking about what, what messages you take in. What message do you accept? Do you accept the message of the world? Does your worldview look more like the culture that we live in? Or does it look more like God's view? Are you being faithful to him in guarding your heart? Are you being faithful to him? And, and being faithful in the things he calls us to be faithful to. Why is this such a big deal to God? Why does God care so much about your marriage? Why does God care about your faithfulness in your relationships? Why does he care about the faithfulness uh, of you to your wife or to your husband, to your, to your spouse? It's because Jesus Christ is faithful in pursuing his bride, the church. It's because Jesus Christ is faithful in pursuing his bride, the church. Flip with me real quick to Ephesians. Book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22. We'll start at 22. It says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. You want to know something? Israel, they didn't change their ways. Israel remained faithless to God or unfaithful to God by, by continuing to be unfaithful in their marriages and many other aspects of their lives. They kept doing these things that, that God was indicting them for today. And, and just like today, we still do some of these things. Just like today, we, we still can be guilty of some of these things. And maybe you're here and you're wondering, man, what, what hope is there for me then? What hope is there for the world? Like if, if, if God is displeased with divorce and we see it everywhere, we see 50% of marriages in our country ending in divorce, what, what hope is there for the world? Our hope is that Jesus Christ pursues his church that Jesus Christ came down and sought his people. The answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the gospel, we see God pursuing an unfaithful people by sending his faithful son. Where Israel failed, Jesus remained completely faithful to God. Where we fail, Jesus remained completely faithful to God, and he is faithful in pursuing us. And this was the plan from the beginning. The fact that people kept sinning against God, it didn't stop him. It didn't, it didn't thwart his plan. It didn't make him change his mind in redeeming the world. Even while we were yet sinners, Paul says in Romans 5.8, even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What hope is there 
for us. What hope is there for the world? It's in Jesus Christ. While we were still sinners, Jesus paid the highest bride price, his blood. And now we give our heart to the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, and follow after him with everything that we have. Everything, every aspect of our lives. And it begins in our marriages. It begins in, in that most personal relationship that we have here on earth by being faithful in our marriages. So then, your marriage, first of all, is a picture of the gospel. We see that here in Ephesians 5. Your marriage is a picture of the gospel. Your marriage should be something that, e even though it might not be a perfect picture, you should be able to point to it and say, this is, this is like Christ is to the church. It should be a picture of the gospel. Paul even says, this is, this is what marriage is all about. It's, it's all about being a picture of the gospel. And Jesus has, has pictured it for us. But, but even more than it being a picture of the gospel, your marriage is to be empowered by the gospel. Your marriage is to be empowered by the gospel. Because Christ has given himself up for you, he gives you all things. You will, will be with him in his kingdom. The Bible teaches that we will reign with him in his kingdom for all of eternity. Because we have all things, you no longer have to seek everything from your spouse. You no longer have to put that pressure on them. You no longer have to make them your idol. That's where a lot of divorce comes from. You make your spouse your idol, you, you make them your God, and then they can't live up to it. And so you cease to be happy with them. You move on to the next thing. But when we find our, our Savior in Jesus Christ, when we find our satisfaction in Jesus Christ, we don't have to look for it in our spouses. We can continue in faithfulness to them and being faithful to him through that. And last, he has cleansed you and given you his spirit. When you walk in the spirit, you walk in love. And it, be, it begins in your marriages. I want us to remember, last of all, divorce is not the unpardonable sin. I understand that in a room this size, there's, there's probably someone or some people in here who have been through divorce before, or at least maybe your parents have been through it before, or, or, or we've all been affected by divorce in one way or another, but it is not the unpardonable sin, all right? In, in, in many instances, it is sin. I'm not talking about, you know, in an abusive relationship or anything like that, but in many instances, it is sin, but it's not worse than any other sin. Jesus Christ paid for the sin of divorce, just like he paid for any other sin. And you can find your hope in him. We shouldn't presume on God's grace, but we can throw ourselves on his grace. What hope is there for a world? What hope is there for a world where relationships are constantly broken, where the family unit is breaking apart? It's the grace of Jesus Christ. It's the grace of Jesus Christ. In closing, these are the, the three things that we can do to pursue Christ today in our marriages. We pursue Christ through faithfulness in who you pursue. Pursue Christ through faithfulness in who you pursue. Pursue Christ through faithfulness to your spouse and pursue Christ through faithfulness to guard your heart. Man, when you look at your relationships, when you look at your marriages, do you see what God sees? Will you accept the world's point of view or will you accept God's point of view? 
Will you set your heart on him and say, no matter how hard this is going to be, I am going to follow after you. I'm going to be faithful in my marriage and be faithful to you through that. Pray with me. God, Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank that you have come down and you have, you have given us hope, Lord. In a broken world that we can, we can so clearly see, you save us, Lord. You give us your grace. You have showed us what, what faithful pursuit of a bride looks like. You have showed us what faithful pursuit of a spouse looks like. And you have showed us what faithfulness to God through that faithful pursuit looks like. And you have given us your spirit, Lord. You have given us your spirit so that we can follow after you. So that, so that we can set our hearts on you for all of eternity. So that we can set our hearts on you in everything that we do. Lord, I pray that you would give us your eyes that we would be able to see what you see, Lord. And that with our hearts being set on you, we would follow after your view of all things. Lord, forgive us for, for the times when we're not faithful. Forgive us, Lord, for, for not representing you well sometimes. Even if, it's, even if we're not divorcing our wives even, or, or, or our spouses, even if we're not loving them well. Lord, continue to give us your grace. Continue to transform our hearts. Continue to show us how to follow after you. We love you, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.